Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right. <clears throat> well, uh, real quickly, for those of you guys who are interested, uh, the book uh, we've been using to go through this new series we just started uh, last week and this, this week, as well as next week, is uh, called The Prodigal God. And you guys can pick that up in the bookstore later if you guys are interested. I just want to make sure that you guys knew about that. Uh, so today we're starting part two of uh, The Prodigal God. And uh, last week, just a little recap, is, um, it's from uh, the famous parable uh, in Luke 15. Uh, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in that today. It's on page 1035, if that is uh, the Bibles on the chairs in front of you guys. If not, um, it's in Luke. <laughs> Uh, which uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book of the New Testament. So you guys can get there to chapter 15. And so uh, what we see is uh, Jesus is hanging out and eating with sinners. And it's bad. And uh, there's Pharisees watching who uh, explained last week were kind of like the mall cops. And they don't like that. And so uh, he's got an audience. So Jesus, being God and knowing the hearts of man, begins to tell stories and parables. And so he talks about the lost sheep. And then he starts to talk about the lost coin and um, the woman that searched for her one lost coin out of ten and celebrated. And then he goes on to tell the story about the lost son, which is uh, also referred to as uh, the prodigal son. And uh, so last week we started that. And so the son <clears throat> goes to the dad and says, hey, dad, I, I'm like done. I wanted to like figure out life on my own. I'm ready to do my own thing and figure it out. Uh, but I need my money and I need it now. Because I've got things to do and places to go. And uh, the father thinks about that and gives him his part of his inheritance and lets him go off and do his own thing. And last week we saw that he ran. And he goes off and he does his own thing and lavishly spends uh, all this money and he runs out. <clears throat> last week as we ended, it ended when he came to his senses. And that's the part that we focused on. He got to this point in his life with nothing left and he came to his senses and the first thing he thinks of is home, at home with his father. He starts to think about his father. So this morning I'm going to ask an opening question. You guys can kind of share with each other and talk, and then I'm going to grab a few. But what comes to mind when you think of a father? This could be a good or bad question. I want to hear it all. <laughs> so what comes to mind when you think of a father? Go ahead and share that with some people next to you, and then I'm going to snag a couple. This is sharing time. Go ahead and share. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I'm going to snag a couple hands. Let's see, hands. Yes. Loving. Loving. All right, good. Role model, okay? Mentor. Mentor. We're in the back. Determined. What? Determined. Determined. Yes. Authority. Authority. Strong. I heard a a pretty like deep, powerful one earlier, and they didn't raise their hand again, but it was... Absent. Absent. What's another one? What? Strict. Strict. Okay, so we all have these ideas and these thoughts of what a father is and who he is and who he's supposed to be, and there is no clearer passage in the Bible that depicts the depravity and the graciousness and love of God in the stuff that we're about to read. If you guys are ready this morning and your heart is open to listen to what God's saying through his word, then we're going to be learning some really cool things today about who God is and what it means for us as sinners. The people, there's people in this room right now that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. 
This, this morning, is for you. Those of you who have, pay attention. Be grateful. And let the Holy Spirit, and I pray that he would convict you in your heart and that you would respond to his conviction. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. <clears throat> Luke 15, I'm going to start at verse 17. It says, this is the uh, younger brother, when he came to his senses, he said, at home, how many of my father's servants, of his hired servants, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I love this moment because he literally comes to his senses. He has like this crazy out-of-body experience where he's looking at himself, wrestling with a pig, fighting for food with a pig, which is culturally unacceptable at that time, being a Jew. And he sees his life and says, oh my gosh, what am I doing? He comes to his senses and says, oh my goodness, I'm out of control. How did this happen? As he's looking at his life, and that question is where repentance starts. How did this happen? When you come to your sentence, in other translation, it literally means that he came to himself, that he saw himself. He went, this isn't me. This isn't what I was made to be. This isn't what I was called to do. This is what I'm supposed to become. He comes to his senses, and he starts to think about home. We understand what coming to our senses is like, don't we? We've all done it. Uh, I remember uh, when I was younger, uh, a buddy of mine, we found uh, a Playboy in the park, nudie mag, and we thought it was the coolest thing, and I hid it underneath my bed. And I remember that moment when I was staying the summer at my grandmother's house, and I got a call from my parents, and they cleaned my room. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, they didn't really have to say much, so they would clean your room underneath your bed. And I remember that moment of coming to my senses and saying, oh my what have I done? What am I doing? You guys know those times when you say, oh my gosh, what have I done? And then you start looking back in your life at the trail of dead and the people that you've hurt and all the harm that you've caused, saying, how did this happen? And that's what the younger brother does. He comes to his senses. When a person comes to his senses, they understand the true condition of where they lay, that I am wrong and something is not right and that I need to make a change and that there's more for me. And that's exactly what he does. He starts looking back to the father. He says, wait a second, my father, he's loving, he's kind. Did you know that the father, the time culture could have had his son stoned for what he did in the beginning, asking for that money and his inheritance? He could have literally done that. Can <laughs> you... Can you like even imagine if you're like, what? You don't like your broccoli? Huh? You don't like that? Well, I'm calling the neighbor. We're going to throw rocks at your face. <laughs> okay, I'm going to eat it. It's okay. Like, you could have done that. Or, what? You don't like your peanut butter and jelly? That's it. You're out of here. Banish you from the family. I, mean, I couldn't imagine, but he actually, that's culturally the card that he had. And uh, he didn't play that card. In fact, he sold off his property. The word property in Greek uh, means bios, which is where we get the word biology, which means when he sold his property, that he actually gave away or sold part of himself. So the son starts waiting and thinking and saying, my father loves the slaves. He feeds them. He's a loving father. 
I need to head home. And he starts to turn. Repentance is that moment that we turn. We've recognized the problem and then we turn towards the Father, turn towards what we are intended to be and where we are intended to go. Repentance starts when we understand our conditions and we understand what's going on and we turn from it. Repentance is so much more than saying I'm sorry. Saying I'm sorry is culturally what the world does now. It's like my two-year-old when I say don't take your cereal in by the carpet. Stay in here and eat it. And she spills it. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. That's what we do. Oh, it's okay. She does it all the time. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. We just act like it's okay. And sorry is what we say right now. We're like two-year-olds at the time. We say, I'm sorry. My bad, God. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And then we continue to live and we still do it. We just continue to live in that sin. The things he's asked us not to do. Repentance is so much more than that. Than I'm sorry. Repentance is that, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And then turning from it and running the opposite direction. In light of who God the Father is, in light of his goodness, in light of his mercy, and in light of his love. Repentance equals action. You can't truly say that you've repented today and this morning if you haven't changed the direction of your life and the sin in your life, if you haven't turned away and moved towards the Father, the Heavenly Father. So the son starts to practice this mantra that we just read about. I have sinned against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Please take me as a hired man. You can feel him right now like wrestling inside with his condition that he sees himself in and that there's no way that the Father could take him back. He already is setting himself up for failure. There's no way he's too good. My father, he's too righteous. He's too loving. There's no way. He's saying, you know what? You know what I'll do? I'll come up with a plan. I'm just going to go back and uh, tell him I'm going to be a hired servant. His heart has changed, saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to be with the father, to be at home. I'll do anything. That is the heart of a repentant person. It says, God, I'll do whatever it takes because I've finally come to my senses and now I want to go in the right direction. I want to head towards you. And so he starts to move forward. Not just talk about it. Doesn't just talk about what's wrong and the problem. He starts to move forward. He starts to head home and he journeys. And this, the son, he knows the father's love. He knows his grace and mercy. Those are the things that actually made him turn in the first place in repentance to move towards the Father. But you know, he doesn't completely understand it. He doesn't understand how massive God's love is, the Father's love. He completely misunderstands how unbelievable his love is, how unbelievable his mercy is. He has just a small version just a small idea of what it looks like. And that's enough to get him to turn and repentance to go home. Just that idea, that glimmer of hope. We have an understanding of God's grace. And I pray that it causes us to turn and go the other direction from our own sins. For those of you who decided to run your own life, to be your own boss, to do your own thing apart from God, I pray that this morning, in light of who God is, that it causes you to turn but you have a complete misunderstanding of who God is.
And you think you know, but you don't. I think all of us here have an understanding or think we have an understanding of who God is and we don't. Have you ever seen something that you thought it was? You totally thought it was one thing, but it was totally another thing. I'll give you an example. Uh, you get this one with babies a lot. You go up and you're like, oh, such a beautiful boy. Like, it's a girl. <laughs> and you go, oh, the toes. Look at the little toes and the little fingers. It's so cute. I've learned that's like the throw off to the side, just so you know. I this one in the hospital with my baby. I was, everyone's always saying you have a cute baby. Is my baby really cute? Like, yeah, otherwise you say stuff about the toes and their feet. So it was like, sorry, let that one out of the, the hat. You guys are thinking, did they say something about my kid's toes? <laughs> uh, even uh, the last birthday uh, we had for Malachi, my aunt, there was a boy there, he's like seven, and he's growing his hair out for locks of love. It's totally cool. And she keeps calling him sweetie. And finally he's like, I'm not a girl. And it was like, just you could see inside this like, oh, <laughs> that awkward moment. Or the awkward one, uh, someone, sometimes you just, I totally done in the airport. I saw this guy, I thought his name was Roger, and I knew him. And I went up to him and like, pat him like, hey, what's up? And all says clicking, that is not him. And I'm now engaged in a conversation with this guy. And he's like, I'm doing good. And you can see him working like, man, I'm in trouble. I don't know who this guy is. So we're both getting so I'm like, well, I got to go catch my flight. See ya. <laughs> or, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, uh, we were leaving a restaurant and we went to the wrong car. <laughs> I totally sat there and she's like, unlock it. And I'm like trying to, I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, what's that inside? <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, Durr. hey, we're, we're that one right, right next to us. And the mo- most awkward one, you guys know this one is... Uh, you go up to someone, how far along are you? Oh. Yeah. I'm not pregnant. Oh, look at your toes. <laughs> it's like you got a manicure. It's so pretty and small. <laughs> oh, man, you, haven't, you, you, you have no idea who God is. You have such a small picture of who God is. You think that he's one thing because you've heard it and you've grown up and you think you have this idea who God is and we don't. We don't even know how he's going to react to things. And the passage we're going to read right now, right here, is going to set that in its right way. And I pray what you're about to hear would overwhelm you. That it would tear down everything you think you know about God and rebuild it based upon this scripture right here. So we're going to head to it. Starting in verse 20. Luke 15, 20. It says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on its fingers and the sandals on its feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. God Almighty runs to the repentant sinner who's turned their life to Christ and loves him, has compassion for him. He kisses him and he hugs him. Do you feel the weight of that? 
Do you feel like how earth-shattering that is? That moment for so many years we thought of God as the older brother shaking his fingers at us and saying, no, 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 you do good. You need to do better. You change. But this father, our heavenly father, runs. He runs to the repentant sinner, loves him, has compassion for him, kisses him and hugs him. God Almighty, who in Revelation says, the angels covered their eyes in submission while they sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come, runs to the repentant sinner. It gives me chills. Who says that I'm no longer going to live the way the world says. I'm going to go and turn to you. At this point in the story, people would have revolted. They would have been physically sick right now hearing this and upset these Pharisees. Because you see, the, the, these patriarchs, the fathers of this time, uh, who were wealthy, who had stature, never ran. In fact, they never even really showed emotion, let alone run. Many commentaries says at this moment that the father's actually depicting what a mother would do. To show that you and I, what God's reaction would be to the sinner who returns to the Father. That blows my mind away. That picture, God running towards me, it's crazy holding me. I kind of feel like he's the one who should beat me up. You see, that's how the son felt. Father, I've sinned against you. Just let me be a slave. Just let me be a servant. And God the Father says, no, no. You know that phone call from my parents? The only thing they said to me is, hey, I just want to let you know I love you. That was powerful. He says, no, no, don't, don't try to earn me. You can't earn your way back into the family. Don't cheapen this gift by making yourself think you have to earn it. See, the son says, I've got to make restitution. I've got to make things right. And God says, you've turned your life towards me, and that's good. Don't try to achieve it by saying that you're going to earn me. Nobody earns me. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, it's on your handouts right there. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. For it has been by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, the father says, no, 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 son. You're trying to make a deal with me, and I don't make deals. You're trying to earn me back. You're trying to say, hey, I'll just be a hired servant. And he's saying, no. Grace is not grace, and mercy is not mercy if it has to be earned. I got a different plan, he says. The father just completely ignores what he says and says, hey, bring my robe and my ring and the shoes and put it on his feet and kill the fattened calf. And when he gives him the robe, he puts it over his son. And they say that that was the father's robe to say, I honor you. Son, I honor you and as you returned your life to me. He gives him the ring to show authority. And he puts the shoes on his feet to say, you're not a slave anymore. You're my son. You're free. And he has this fattened calf and they killed it. And we're like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's like a party. You're going to eat some moo cow. And I'm totally down with that. And 
It even says later on in the story, we'll see that the brother, the older brother, is like upset about the fattened calf that they're slaughtering. We're like, dude, like, what's up with the crazy cow? Everyone's freaking out about it. It's, it's food. And see, uh, it, was, it was a huge deal. They didn't eat meat back then. It was a delicacy. And the fattened calf was a part of the wealth. And so when he said to kill it, he's basically just saying, take a part of my fortune and just absolutely dump it all over my son. And it was a huge deal. And because it was a huge deal, it wouldn't just be with his family. They'd invite the whole town to come celebrate and eat the fattened calf. What God the Father says to him is this, everything you lost when you turned and went your own direction, I give back to you free of charge through repentance. Your place, your position, your wealth, I give it back to you. No matter how bad or what you've done or how far you've strayed, God the Father, in the moment that you turn towards him, runs with love and compassion and wants to restore you to everything. How great is that? Hmm? It doesn't matter how far or how long. God's love remains the same. Isn't that powerful? Some of you guys need to make that decision to follow Christ. And I believe the reason, one of the reasons why we resist is because we have this earthly context of what love and grace and compassion looks like. We make God look like our earthly fathers. Some of you guys had terrible earthly fathers. And we say, well, that's how they do things here on earth. We think it's like the older brother who's shaking his finger at you and says, you need to make restitution for this, son. The father says, no, 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 no. When he turns in repentance, I completely take him back. A lot of us just don't get God. Google has over 100,000 pages of definitions of God and images. And yet, it's got these pictures of like this God with this huge beard and this rocking chair with the rule book in one hand, like the lightning bolt in the other hand, just like waiting to get us <laughs> as soon as we do something. But... God is a loving, patient God, waiting for us to turn in repentance and come home. And that's what the story shows us, and he restores them. It says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And that's what we deserve from the beginning. We're born into it and headed to this place that's not very good because of sin. It says, but the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross for those who turn in repentance. There, there was a price to be paid for our freedom, for you to be restored to who God always intended you to be. God loves you. He kisses you, has compassion for you. Sends Jesus, Savior, to be a sacrifice for us so that you could be made right with him. This morning, my prayer is that if you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus, if you've never turned in repentance, true repentance to follow him in light, in light of understanding his love for you, he stands with open arms waiting for you to turn and runs towards you so that he can give you everything 
that's yours, everything promised to you. Would you turn? Would you change the way that you've been living? Would you come to your sentence? Would you, would you do that this morning? I just want to invite the, the band up right now. Will we just finish? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Oh,